Podcast, episode number 142. This is Greg Duncan. This is Josh Garverick. Hey, Josh. Hey, Greg. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm up and at him today, man. It's... Let's not talk about up and at him here. We're <laughs> recording this uh, Thursday the 13th in my local time. It's 5.30 a.m. A.m. as in, oh my God, it's early. I'll have to send you some of those toothpicks to keep your eyelids propped open. <laughs> you know, the sad thing is I'm actually already up. I, I usually be walking the dog or on the way to work, but yeah, try, doing that and trying to be coherent, well, as coherent as I am at least and, during a podcast, uh, two different things there. True story. So for everybody behind the scenes here, this is actually the second time we've done this podcast. Uh, we recorded it yesterday with Gordon who was not able to join us this morning. Uh, we had internet inner tubes. Our, our inner tubes broke yesterday. Stupid tubes. Uh, so we're going to try it again today. We're still doing this on Zencaster. Uh, that seemed to work out pretty well last time. We're going to do that this time. And we've got a new, a new guest. Well, not a new guest from yesterday. He was here yesterday, too. So he's probably a pro now at Radio TFS, since he's done Radio TFS recording as much this month as you have. Huh, Josh? That's very true. <laughs> All right. So Colin Dabosky is joining us today. Colin is a senior DevOpsologist. DevOpsologist. That's too early in the Well, no. <laughs> Who are we kidding? I couldn't say that at any time of the day. Uh, he is a senior DevOpsologist and ALM MVP for Northwest Cadence, based in Seattle, Washington, meaning it's oh dark 30 for him, too. After completing a master's in computer science at Rhodes University, he worked as a developer, first in Linux using C++, and then moving on to .NET and C Sharp. Later, he was a systems architect. He left development work to start ALM Consulting, has been an ALM MVP since 2011. He is passionate about helping teams improve the quality of the software and to do it more efficiently. Besides consulting and training, Colin is a frequent guest speaker and regularly blogs at Colin's ALM Corner, and he can be found on Twitter, and we'll have his link in the show notes. When not working on a TFS server somewhere, he's playing guitar or mandolin and recording in his home studio or entertaining his wife and two kids. Colin, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to finally be on. Love the show, so it's a great honor to be on here, and yeah, thanks Yeah, it's a shame me. that we, it's... Yeah, it's a producer fail for not having you on sooner. We we should have had you on much sooner. Yeah, I I did I did mention yesterday that I I dropped some subtle hints and then started dropping some not so subtle hints. So glad you finally got me on. <laughs> and it only took us what you know ten months to yeah. pick up on those hints. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think uh, Gordon, you were on the email. Gordon, Josh, you were on the email. Who was it? Did Angela recommend we get Colin on? No, that was me. Was it you? Yeah, that was me. I'll take credit for that one. All right. Good man. Yeah. No, Angela suggested uh, Corey Drew. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Who I'm going to be reaching out to. Corey, nice. if you listen, I'm going to be DMing you in the next couple of days. If you're not listening, well, then I'm still going to be DMing you in a couple of days. There'll still be All right, a, let's a, do the notes. Let's do the news. Uh, I've tried to keep these uh, trimmer and that and Martin's not on. So we should be able to get through these quickly. I said oh. that yesterday and we still took a half hour to go through them. So <laughs> we're going to try to go through them a little bit faster today. The first news is a post from uh, Brian Harry. 
last show week uh, show before we were talking about Git on VSTS with the Git virtual file system and the performance performance that they had, as well as some future improved performance over the performance improvements. Wow, that's hard for me to say. Uh, Brian blogs about what those he, they call them O modified improvements are, and from just the first GFVS rollout to the new one, the improvements are rather dramatic. And this is real world using monstrous sized uh, repositories. And you can see how that GVFS, GVFS really can improve your performance for those projects that it makes sense. Remember that GVFS is not for every project. It's for actually a pretty limited set of projects. But if you have that monstrous code base, this is the thing that you want to look at. The next thing is we have the monthly digest from Buck Hodges. And if you're just looking for a roll up, you know, VSTS, God, it moves so fast. There is so much stuff constantly coming, both from just VSTS, then as well as the marketplace. The marketplace is becoming huge. Buck Hodges' posts are the things to go to. And he talks about, this is a long post about all the cool new features that have rolled out in July to date even though we're only in like in the middle of the July. Uh, he talks about the, the new uh, Git features and tagging uh, uh, workflow and approving pull requests to uh, the new Wiki experience, which we'll talk about in a second. The chief infrastructure as code stuff that has shown up in the marketplace, the tasks, uh, the control releases to an environment based off of the source branch. Now, this is actually pretty neat is you can you hook the, these releases to a branch of the code, the release, not the build, but the release. And I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, there is a ton of other stuff, uh, securely store files like Apple certificates. So the files are being secured, not just the variables. What else has he got here? Uh, the package management build tasks. Uh, there's, oh, that's actually, I didn't, that's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> you know, Reading these things beforehand, even though this is the second time we're doing it, always helps. Uh, the NuGet task has been consolidated. So instead of like three different NuGet tasks in your builds, there's one with different commands that you can feed it. So that cleans stuff up. Uh, we'll have the links in the show notes so you can uh, check those out as well. So what else do we have that's new, uh, Josh? Well, we have a public preview of the new wiki. And Visual Studio Team Services. You mentioned mm -hmm. that VSTS is moving fast, and uh -huh. this is no exception. The uh, the post by Sandeep Chada actually goes through the, the overall UI look and feel, how to create your first page. Uh, it stores everything in a Git repository for you, which is nice. So that way you get that automatic, you get that versioning, you know, right out of the bat, right out of the gate, and um, you can drag and drop to uh, to take pages and. and um, reorganize your hierarchy so if you wanted to if you created a page that needs to be underneath another heading you can drag it up and uh, it'll automatically reshuffle that for you which is pretty cool you get some audit trail on it too which is nice so you can see who is in there monkeying around with stuff and uh, this is actually going to be replacing the existing wiki extension in the marketplace so for anyone who is familiar with the wiki extension that was done by Michael Seidel, uh, that's going to be deprecated, and this new public preview for the wiki is going to be the uh, the way forward. 
Nice. And that's rather ironic as we have some feedback from Michael that we'll talk about it towards the end of the show. So it ties mm. together. So, um, Josh, are you using the wiki in any way? We've got a couple of teams who are who are in there kind of playing around with it. They're nothing serious, though. Um, my hope is that we can get some more organic growth around that. But um, as of right now, it's it's pretty grassroots. How about you, Colin? Yeah, well, we, we started playing around with this um, just as a place to store some of our internal knowledge. Like we're doing a lot of VSTS migrations and there's just hasn't been a single place where we keep all our documentation. So it's great. We don't have any uh, non-techies really to use it. So uh, everyone who's using it is familiar with Git and familiar with Markdown files. So they're using it. The one thing that's kind of irritating, and maybe I just don't know the short, the keyboard shortcut for this, but I use tab a lot in Markdown. And unfortunately, when you're in the web editor and you hit tab, it tabs off of the text control <laughs> with one of the other controls. So it's like, uh, but you can just clone it down to a Git uh, using a Git repo. You just clone it down, and you can open up in VS Code or whatever. So it you can open up those markdowns in your favorite editor. And yeah, so I, I really like it. I think it's I think it's going to be a great uh, addition, filling a filling quite a big gap in the VSTS um, feature feature offering. So it's great to have this out. So do you guys, who is this really targeted at? Is it, is it targeted at every, the, the, the whole team, the people who don't want to play Markdown, you know, and, and they need the WYSIWYG editor? Yeah, and, uh, I, think, I think it's for, for any miscellaneous documentation that you don't want to put in SharePoint or, you know, because that's, that's kind of one of the things about, about uh, VSTS before this, this extension came out is where do you put documents that, you know, uh, with with TFS, you used to have the SharePoint stuff, which was a great place to store documents. Um, don't use SharePoint for anything else, but documents is fine. Um, but there was really no place to store kind of, uh, here's the script, here's the explanation about the script, unless you put comments in line, and then it's difficult to find stuff, and it's not easy to edit stuff, and... So, um, so just for, for kind of just keeping, keeping down some notes about development stuff or consulting stuff, um, it's great. Um, but it could be used for anything. It could be used for, for release notes or, uh, you know, just whatever. I, I think it's, I think it's a great place to just slap something if, and, and, um, is there a search? I don't think there's a search function yet on that, but, uh, I think that's coming. Yeah, exactly. So I think once once they add in the yeah. search where you can actually then do a search across your wikis on your team project, like you can search across code with the code search functionality, then I think it's going to start being really powerful, right? Because now you can actually search across multiple team projects and repos for document stuff. So I think it's going to be great from that perspective as well. Yeah, the replacement for that SharePoint, that SharePoint question, where do you put the docs? Man, I, I hear yeah. that all the time. And yep. this looks like, and it's, it seems to be so much more, you know, uh, together than just throwing the markdown files in the repo, you know, yeah. in, in, you know, it's a com complete experience for that documentation. Right. All right. Other news that we've got. When I was at Build, we uh, talked about Azure Stack just this week. They announced that the Azure Stack is ready to order. So you can order it from Dell EMC, HPE, Lenovo. You can get the systems. Uh, you can get this Azure Stack into your data center now. They've also followed through with what I asked is that they're going to the Azure Stack Development Kit. The ASDK is a free single server deployment option for trial purposes. And you can download that today. So you can start playing with Azure Stack 
you know, yourself in your environment. Now, <laughs> there is a caveat to that is that the Azure stack, it's, it's, it's Azure, you know, that you're going to put on a, um, on a machine. So, you know, it's going to be, uh, Windows Server 2012 R2 is the hardware configuration. It, it, it's not going to go in your notebook. All right. You know, the minimum configuration I'm looking at it for now for RAM is 96 gigs. They recommend 128 gigs of RAM. So 96 gig in a notebook, that's a little bit, uh, I don't know. I would like a notebook like that. You know, 12 cores. That's, they recommend 16 cores. So it's going to go on a server somewhere in your, you know, data center, in your closet, whatever. But the thing is, is this is the full deal and you can get Azure Stack and start playing with it. Paul, um, I know. Uh, I know you're listening uh, and I know you love Azure Stack and play with it all the time. And you were worried that this might go away. So it's still here and it's available for download right now. Nice. I've I've been pining for that for quite a while. Um, And it's, I I totally get the, the, the specifications as far as, as Ram and all that stuff goes. There's a part of me that would love to just chain a bunch of Alienware laptops together and see if I could get it to work. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm that kind of a nerd. Um, But speaking of more Azure stuff, uh, there's a a good article out there right now from, uh, hopefully I won't mess this name up in in Greg Duncan fashion, but uh, Marius (laughs) Collage and Francis LaCroix. Uh, talking about creating VSTS private agents with ARM templates. And it's a very, very quick walkthrough on how to configure an ARM template to take a stock image, uh, download a custom script extension to actually install the latest VSTS extension on the VM. It will install and configure the, the agent, and then it'll register that agent with whatever pool you specify. So it's, it's a nice little shortcut to, to mass producing uh, private agents, especially where um, maybe you've got a, a decent amount of, of pipelines set up and you'd like to kind of forward more agents to those pipelines. This would be one good way to, to help get a lot of those agents out there and registered in your pools. Nice. nice. So uh, TechNet on uh, Microsoft.com did a recent uh, shout out to Black Marble. And their, uh, their article is a black market leading the way with DevOps. And I just wanted to call it out because we've had, uh, you know, Richard Fennell on and Rick Hempforth on. And, you know, they're all black marble guys. We've had, a, I, we've talked to other black marble people, you know, on and off the, the podcast. And uh, this is just a big shout out to them for their celebrating their 20 years of uh, being driven by innovation, imagination, and technical excellence. So a uh, great shout out to you guys um, and, you know, Rick and Richard and all you Black Marble people, thank you for listening and uh, congratulations. Another thing that we've had on the show, we've talked about the show, uh, Donovan Brown, first of the year, we were talking about DevOps and he was saying, if you're not doing DevOps, you're wrong. You know, you're bad. You're going to, you're going to go by the wayside. You're not going to be able to compete. Well, we had some feedback from people that says, uh, you know what, I, I'm in like a government agency and... Uh, yeah, you know, a, it's hard for us to fail, <laughs> not impossible, uh, but hard. And there, we're not really competing with anybody and, you know, trying to get, uh, DevOps sold to us is hard. Well, there's a number of agencies that provide training and consulting 
to governments. I found this on the NextGov website, which is not what I usually cite that we talk about here on the show. But they're talking about InfoZen, and InfoZen is one of those contracting agencies that are in Bethesda, Maryland. And they've talked about a $2 million addition that they're doing to their training center to train DevOps for governments. To start getting that people, because, you know, it's hard. It's chicken and the egg. If you don't know Agile, it's hard to bring it into your agency, if your agency, you know, back and forth. So um, there is other people. What I'm trying to get to is that there's other people trying to help and solve this. And if you're in the government, you're fighting that battle. You know, it, it, it is slowly being won for you. And there'll be, I'll have the links in the show notes for this training. Nice. So, Josh. Correct. Do you have any... Um, Visual Studio Marketplace extensions? I do, as a matter of fact. I've got the, uh, let's see, the one that I've got out there is the Visual Studio Team Services project extension that will generate projects for you. Um, That's one of them that's out there, and I think I've got another one out there for um, VSTS called Requirements Integrator that I haven't I haven't done too much with just by virtue of being busy and, and such, but I uh, got a couple of those out there. And what's interesting, so I just I just saw this. Um, on the Coding for Fun blog, there was a post about a, a Chrome extension that will actually keep track of marketplace metrics for you. And it's done by Greg Trevelick, and you basically just – click on a link, install it, and you can. it'll tell you total download count. It'll give you your, your ratings and reviews and all that good stuff. And it's pretty handy because uh, one of the biggest things about having extensions in the marketplace is being able to respond to any kind of, a, any kind of feedback that, that comes through. So if you have people that post and say, hey, this is busted, this sucks, uh, you'll be able to get more of a, a real-time notification about what that is and, and how, how, how you can actually get in there and, and address that. Now, not to, to call it out, but what happened is actually a, a Greg's post on the Coding for Fun blog. What he's got, he's got 22 extensions and they're all a version of open in. So you in uh, an extension for Visual Studio, it's an open in Markdown Editor, open in Chrome, open in uh, GIMP, open in tree size, open in paint.net, all these open in uh, type of extensions. And he wrote that um, Chrome extension to try to track the metrics for all 22 of those. And it was just really, I, I blogged about his stuff there, Cody for fun. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, you know, it's really hard for me to track this. So I wrote this Chrome extension. So I said, oh, we should have that on the show. Nice. So, wow, this is like the last news story and it's a uh, ALM Ranger. So I think Josh, I, why don't you take this story? Oh, your friend and mine, Willie Peter. Um, so this last article is actually a really cool feature that we, uh, from the ALM Rangers perspective, noticed on VSTS, which is the new release definition editor. Mm-hmm. And what's what's fascinating about this is it takes it takes the um, the release definition and and manifests it for you in the way that actually looks like a workflow diagram. Right. So it's, it's a little bit more intuitive to look at, um, and it's, and it's uh, very cool because it will actually keep track of where things are in the pipeline for you, too. Um, so it will go through and show you specifically um, 
any kinds of, of passes or failures within those and, uh, and light them up so you can actually see where things are. You can see the progress of things if anything's broken. Uh, it's, re- it's a really interesting way of visualizing and, and editing your pipelines. And are you guys, are you using it for any of your ALM Ranger stuff for any of your builds and releases? Currently, I'm not. Um, I've got a few folks here that are piloting it um, at my place of employment um, for uh, j- just to get a better feel for, for how the new experience is supposed to work. Uh, so we've got that toggled on for a couple of folks. And what do they think about it? Uh, well, the in- I know the initial uh, usage was a little bit difficult for them. I think they've ironed out a lot of those user experience issues that they had. Um, and I think people are starting to kind of understand it a bit better and, and, and can actually use it and, and find it to be a bit more intuitive than just the, the task stack, if you will. Yeah, I was explaining that to those release environments uh, yesterday to somebody and, you know, looking, towing at the stacks and so, yeah, once this one goes, th- th- then you go to that one and then you're supposed to go to that one. And, you know, from, from my seat, it kind of makes sense because, you know, it rolls downhill, it's stacked and the first rolls to the second, down to the third, but they just were having the hardest time grokking it. They just didn't, uh, what do you mean it rolls to that? It, it was this visualization and the new just makes so much more visual sense. Absolutely. And and I've run into situations, too, where I've had release definitions that have had uh, you know, 10, 15 of those environments in there, and they may not all link together either. They may go in different orders. So if you've got them stacked in one way, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the order in which they're going to execute. So if somebody goes in there to look at it, and they're like, well, it should be going to UAT next, and it ends up going somewhere else. They're like, well, what the hell? What is this? So... so with with this new editor, it'll help to visualize that a bit better so you can see where things are supposed to go versus looking at a stack of, of stuff and kind of guessing what order the boxes are supposed to be in. Yeah, I totally hear you. The same thing. We're using it, uh, release definitions to rule out our data warehousing SSIS packages and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we've got like 12 different uh, environments that they roll it out to and they're all stacked. And yeah, sometimes it goes to one and then sometimes other ones and it's a staged, you know, not necessarily staged or sequenced. It's just availability and when they can roll it. And yeah, I, I hear you. Good. Colin, are you guys using this? We are. Uh, my first couple of times playing with that editor, you had to switch back to the old editor to add new environments. And so... There were still some there were still some features that weren't totally in the new editor, but I, I love the new editor and you know, like you guys were saying, if you've got parallel environments or complex fan out fan in scenarios, that's really difficult to see uh, on the on the old editor with that whole stack. So so I, I love it. I love being able to search for tasks. <laughs> which, which came in on the new build editor, but uh, you, in the old release editor, you still have to, I still switch to all and then scroll, 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 scroll. <laughs> so it's great to have the search for tasks on the on the new release editor. It's one of my favorite features. Yeah, again, like I was doing that yesterday. It just, just like, okay, where is that zip folder? Okay, well, that's at the bottom yep. way down here. Cool. So uh, that's the news. I guess it's time to talk to actually Colin directly. So uh, Colin... Uh, what is a devoptologist? Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually remember listening to to a, to a radio TFS episode where you guys had Stephen Borg on. So Steve mm-hmm. Steve's my boss, 
And, uh, and, and I remember listening to that and he was like, yeah, Colin made this term up. I was like, well, actually, Steve, I didn't make that up. Steve actually mentioned that term to me. He'd heard it somewhere. So it's kind of funny that Steve thought I'd made it up. But, um, but as soon as I heard that word, DevOpsologist, I thought that's perfect, right? Because passionate about DevOps and then ology from the study of or studying something. And but one of the great things about DevOps is that you never get to know all of DevOps, right? It just it it moves so fast, and and um, I'm 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 a high learner on on the uh, strengths finder profile. So this is a this is kind of a perfect thing for me to be involved in because just when you think you've mastered something, a new technology comes out, or a new process comes out, or something. So um, so it's it's uh, so that's as soon as I heard that term, I was like, yep, that's that's me. That's what I do. Yeah. The way you. Uh- you mentioned about new things happening. I was uh, did an MVP award unboxing. I always bring my awards in, which was this year. We'll talk about that in a second on it. But I was unboxing it, and I says, "Yeah, well, I'm an ALM MVP." And one of my newer develop or our newer developers, uh, she turned to me and asked, "You know, uh, what does ALM mean?" And I just kind of had to hang my head and had an old man moment, and it's like, "Ah, oh, that's application lifecycle management." I can't believe that ALM is now an old term i basically told her that okay you kind of ignore it devops is kind of subsuming the whole alm space but uh, yeah the only thing that's constant is change here huh yeah exactly so and how do you explain that to when when your non-technical friends ask Uh what do you do (laughs) even when my technical friends ask me i have i have a tough (laughs) time explaining what devops is but so, so for for the for the elevator pitch, I just say, well, I help software teams make better software faster. So that's that's the that's the ten thousand high ten thousand mile high pitch that I give, right? Because that that's essentially what we're trying to do when we when we work with our customers and when I'm playing with build engines and that sort of stuff. It's how do I how do I do this stuff better, smarter, and faster? Um, so that's that's really the the high level pitch, but. Yeah, just trying to. Uh, I actually heard Donovan Brown say uh, say in one of his talks. He said, "Never send a man to do a machine's job." <laughs> uh, yeah. So automation. I, I was actually thinking about it. the The last the last sort of ten months or so, we moved over from South Africa to Seattle about ten months ago, and I think almost every engagement I've been on since we got here has been a build and release pipeline engagement where I'm helping teams get some kind of automation in place, uh, usually to Azure, but also on-prem. So automation and getting the CI, CD pipeline thing is is really hot at the moment. Nice. Um, question for you about the MVP stuff, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. Just curious, how, how did you become an MVP and uh, how long have you been? I know Greg at the beginning of the show mentioned uh, yeah. you've been in for quite a while. And, and how do you continue to keep that MVP status? Uh, so my my start off in consulting goes back down to Chris Menegay. Um, so Chris Chris um, came out to South Africa in 2008 for Take It Africa. And that was my first time hearing the term ALM consultant. I, n- I never knew such a thing was possible. I, I was an I was an accidental admin, as we like to call them. So I was the I was the poor sod who installed TFS two thousand five beta two way back in the day. Uh, in, at, the, at the company I was at, they were using zip files for source control, which I didn't think was was a fantastic idea. I had no clue what ALM was, but I, I knew that using zip files for source control was not a good idea. 
And so, um, so I became the accidental admin, and um, and I, I remember going to TechEd Africa 2008, seeing Chris Menegay, and he was talking about this ALM consulting company called Notion Solutions that he was running, and uh, that sparked off an idea in me to be, hey, maybe I could do that kind of consulting. And so when he came back out in 2009, I had a chat with him. I literally had a five-minute chat with him and said, do you do work in South Africa? And he said, yeah, we could send someone over. I think he was talking about Donovan. Donovan Donovan was working for, for Notion Solutions at that time. And and uh, and so he said, no, we could send Donovan Brown out. And I said, no, 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 actually, I'm, I'm kind of looking for some work. <laughs> And uh, and he said, okay, well, let's uh, let's contact Microsoft South Africa, see how many potential customers there are, and get going. And and so we reached out to uh, a, a local Microsoft DX guy called Ahmed Salaji, uh, who I worked with for many years while I was in South Africa. Fantastic guy. And um, and so we we reached out to him and said, you know, we'd like to see if there's any need for this kind of consulting in South Africa. And he nearly fell off his chair, apparently, because you know, he he knew Notion Solutions even even from across the ocean, and so to get to get some kind of local representation for a company that focused on ALM was something he was desperately looking for uh, in South Africa at that time. And so so he helped us get started with our first couple of customers, or my first couple of customers, should I say? And then through that, I think it was Ahmed who um, nominated me for the MVP award. Um, and so I'd, I'd started blogging more as a way to keep notes for myself. So I would go to a customer and, uh, you know, I'd do, I'd do the consulting thing. So I'd put my consulting face on and say, oh, yeah, I know how to do that. Meanwhile, inside, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I better figure out how to do this stuff. And so I kept this blog um, at collinslmcorner.com as my more my notes than anything else. But um, And uh, I mean, it got me onto the speaker track in ticket africa so i spoke in 2010 i think it was or 20 2011 somewhere around there i started speaking at ticket africa they actually gave me the um the not so the the, the slots no one else wanted to speak about so, <laughs> so i think ssdt database stuff was my first one of my first public technical presentations and that was the slot that that no one really wanted to do and they, they would give it to the juniors and see how they did and uh, so obviously they liked the way I did it because they kept inviting me back. And so I think I think being on the speaker track at TechEd Africa and, and my blog were the main contributing factors to getting the MVP award. Um, yeah, I mean, I, re I remember um, flying over to Dallas uh, to meet the Notion Solutions team. Um, so I, I remember sitting in a room with Ed Blankenship and Donovan Brown and Abel Wang and a couple of other um, familiar faces like uh, Steve St. Jean and Dave McKinstry was there. Um, so these were, I remember just sitting back and thinking, how the heck did I get into a room with such phenomenal people? You know, and, um, and so, so it was a, I had a great start with, with ALM consulting with Notion Solutions. And that really contributed a lot to, to the MVP award, just being able to draw on, on their expertise as I was learning. And, uh, and yeah, so I think it's just blogging and public speaking has been my primary contributions to, to the MVP award. So what do you think about the new, this year's new MVP award cycle? You know, I, I don't really, I, I, I got a bit nervous on when was it two Saturdays ago when, whenever the, whenever the, the switchover was, cause I started seeing a lot of people say, Oh, I got renewed and I've just got my MVP award. And, and, uh, and so I was monitoring my mailbox and, and I didn't see anything come through and I thought, Oh goodness, have I, have I been dropped off the program? What's going on? 
And then uh, scratched through my emails, and and about a month back, there was a oh, you know, here send us your email, your your billing, ad- your postal address because we're sending out your award. And I realized oh, I've been grandfathered in for this year's for this for this cycle. So I was an October awardee, and uh, so we we got grandfathered in. So I get I get kind of a year in. Well, it'll be twenty one months technically uh, that I got for for the current award cycle. So. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's great that they're that they're cycling everyone into the same the the same uh, the same period. Um, you can still qualify every month, right? So right. that's an improvement. You don't have to wait for every quarter to qualify because you can still qualify uh, monthly if you're a new MVP, which I think is, which I also think is great. It speeds up the process a little bit. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really have any any um, any opinion good or bad about the new cycle you know i think it just makes logistics a bit easier yeah i, had, I was laughing there because same thing i'm an october awardee and i got that same email that hey update your shipping address to make sure that it's right so we can send you the kit and then october 1st seeing all the emails and the tweets and the everything going on it's like oh i thought i was going to be renewed oh my yeah. god yeah. so uh yeah, and I emailed them, uh, you know, that says, oh, yeah, you've been grandfathered in, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, a couple of days later, the award kit came. So we can't get an email saying that we've been awarded, yes. but we get yeah. the award, this yep. physical award kit. Yep. That was, <laughs> it doesn't yep. matter. We, we we're still got it. I'm still proud to be an MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And we got the little circle thing to put on our tombstone. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just, I was kind of bummed that, that, you know, 2017 and 18 come together. So the stack is not going to grow as quickly. You know, you at my tenure, the tenure blue disc will only have be the ninth disc. It's like, oh, hang on. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when I, when I brought my kid in, uh, it was Monday and, uh, did the unboxing with my team. Because uh, a lot of them have never seen these kits before. So I showing it and I showed them the award disc and said, you know, this thing, along with all the software and stuff we get, this is why, you know, uh, gets, yeah, it gets the MVPs excited. Yeah. You know, when they get that blue disc, that is, you know, it's like, oh, that's the tchotchke. That's the thing. That's the Chivo. Yep. Uh, th- that gets us all excited. Yep. My, my son, my son, who's seven years old, he, he gets the little MVP pin. So every time I unbox, he's like, "Can I have your pin?" And he gets my pin, and he gets the little that little card they send out, um, yeah. that little credit card sized thing. He he grabbed my old one, right? So he's got a stack of cards that he likes to you know, play with, and he makes them into bombs or something. So typical boy stuff. So he's excited when the MVP award comes. <laughs> so uh, what's this is like? I like asking our guests this. You know, what's the day in the life of Colin like what is it that you do during the day like uh, well i'm i'm usually sleeping by this time of the day so um but yeah i normally uh, i i i do a lot of customer work and primarily that's on site uh, fortunately most of my work is centered around pacific northwest so i don't fly as much as i used to so um, there was lots of airports in my in my life at one stage um and uh, so so I would get on get on site with a customer, and then, like I said, I think my the last ten twelve months have, have almost exclusively been build and build and release pipeline setups. So get into a customer, see what kind of apps they're deploying, see what see what they're trying to do, and then we and then we get to it. We actually, you know, I can I demo a little bit with uh, with VSTS or TFS, depending on what they're on, so that they're more or less familiar with what the tool can do. I've got this end to end demo with 
with Parts Unlimited from the GitHub repo. And uh, so we just do an end-to-end presentation to show them what the tool can do. And then we just get into it. So I'm I'm not a fan of death by PowerPoint. So uh, it's it's really great for me when I can walk out at the end of the day and we've we've actually accomplished something. There's a build going uh, that's that's running some tests and there's a release that's kicking off and starting to deploy, you know, from the, when we get, when we, when we walk away and, and you can, you can do a push from your local repo and within a couple of minutes it's built, it's tested and deployed out to test or pl- deployed out to a dev environment. That, that light bulb moment where people see that this automation makes it that simple that as a dev i do my code and i push and then it magically appears somewhere and it's tested and it's deployed without me having to log on to a server and find a dba and that's that's a that's why i do what i do right that that light bulb moment when people go oh okay this is going to make me faster and better that's what that's really what i get up in the morning for and repeatable you know, yeah. it's just scripted yep. and repeatable. Oh, yep. I love that. Yeah, item potency. That's my word for the day. <laughs> Very potent indeed. So a couple questions for you, Mr. Colin, about XAML builds. So what are your thoughts on XAML builds going away? Uh, in one word, woohoo! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's about time. Um, I. I I remember. I actually remember feeling the same way when XAML builds came out initially, and the MS Build build system went away. I was like, "Yes, finally!" Um, so XAML builds were great in their day, but uh, in in Brian Harry's blog post uh, that he put out recently about deprecating the the XAML build process and the XAML builds, he he mentioned you know that that workflow is meant to be for for persisting long running flows and so on, which isn't really what your builds should be doing right your builds need to be short and sharp and fast and um and so so workflow kind of really isn't the right it into it's a bit counterintuitive that it's not the right workflow right uh because when you think about it you think oh a build is just a workflow of tasks that you put together and and so i think that's why they initially went with workflow when they moved off of ms build but the the XAML the XAML editors never really came along, and something that Brian alludes to as well in that post that the, the XAML editor just didn't ever really come to the party, and it's it's clunky and it's it's really hard to customize and it, it it's complicated. So the the new the new engine is just so much more lightweight. It feels a lot more modern. Uh, it's web based, so you don't even need you don't even need a, an editor. Uh, an IDE to edit those build definitions. So the the new engine's just phenomenal. So I'm I'm, I'm glad they're deprecating it. Um, yeah, I think I think it's time. Aside from the points that you just mentioned, are there any other differences that you can think of between uh, the XAML builds themselves and what's affectionately referred to as Build V Now, uh, the the new build system that's out there? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think the prime the prime thing is is really just the 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 ease of editing. All right, so if you if you wanted to open and customize one of the XAML builds, you had to have Visual Studio installed. You had to open up that workflow. You had to resolve all the missing assemblies or find all the assemblies that were referenced. And and then um, you, you know, making a customization really was coding in C sharp uh, to or VB to to 
create some code that would hook into the to the particular step and execute and so on. So it took a lot of time and effort and a lot of domain knowledge to to customize and to and to do some custom stuff in your build, which you know a lot of builds are custom because they're so specific to a, 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 an application and an environment and a team. So you know being able to customize quickly is is key for for a build engine. So it really was it really was hard to do that. In the new in the new build engine, it's totally customizable. You get this empty canvas essentially to start off with, and there's templates that you can start off from. But you can you can just start off with a blank slate, and you can even just bring in the PowerShell task and just do an inline PowerShell script. So to do custom stuff really quickly is is so much more simple in in the in the new in the new editor on the new engine than it was in the XAML engine. So I think that's probably the primary difference. Um, logging is the other big one. Um, the logs for the XAML builds were pretty obscure. It was this XML-based file, and the editor was hard to search through, and it didn't log everything, and it wasn't verbose when you needed it to be verbose, and so it was it was kind of hard to debug builds as well, right? So not only the editing experience, but the just trying to figure out what's going on with this build was a was a, a, a very specialized skill. Uh, it kept a lot of consultants busy, I think. Uh, but uh, but the new the new build engine, the logging is just fantastic. It's really easy to figure out what's going on with builds when they fail, or uh, when you're trying to when you're trying to set up a build and it's not doing what you expect it to do. You just open up the logs, and to put on verbose is just setting system.debug true, and you now have verbose. So it's really it's really great from from not only from the editing point of view but from the from the logging point of view it's far far better the new system than than the xaml system was and can you imagine taking the xaml builds cross platform yeah i mean yeah exactly that's 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 a great point greg the the, the build engine was great if you were doing .net on windows right there yeah. there was pretty much you could probably shoehorn it to do some other stuff, but cross-plat never. It it wasn't it wasn't going there. So so the new build engine. I mean, you were talking about that uh, XAML template with the private. I mean, not XAML. The the uh, ARM template for the private build agents. So I've I've been I've been spinning up private build agents in in Docker containers in Kubernetes, and uh, so that's also really simple. It's like oh, I need an agent. Okay, just spin it up in a container and it does its build and then you can tear the container down and you're good to go. So just being able to even spin up spin up the agent on a Linux VM inside of a container cluster, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. So I want to get both of your feedback on what do you guys... Okay, so this is... We're on... We've had three build systems, essentially, or, or schemes or whatever. What do you guys... Blue skying, think about what the the next the build v next next might be. What holes do we have that we need to fill for a future build system? I think we need Cortana to be the next build. <laughs> hey Cortana, I was, I was, build yeah. my system. I was just gonna say, so taking like Hubot to the next level, yeah. and then jacking that into like some some uh, machine learning or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we need some machine learning so that I can just say, "Here's my repo. Go and figure out how to build it and deploy it." <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I, I I remember you got, you guys had Ed Thompson on recently, and uh, that was that was a great cast. On, uh, I really like Ed, and he was talking about the um, the the YAML scripts that they're working on. I went and saw a little demo. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to look up the the reference, but 
uh, there was a little video that he put up. I think it was Ed who put it up on on YouTube showing the kind of AppVayer Circle CI kind of um, process where they have this little YAML file that you can specify the whole build in a YAML file, right? Instead of going to the visual editor and stick, stitching the the UI together and the tasks and so on, you can describe that whole build process as a YAML file, right? So, and then that just gets checked in with your code and that's what the build engine picks up. Is here's the YAML file and this is how I do the build. So um, I think that's going to be, that's going to just create another insane amount of power uh, in a very simple format uh, for for builds. But I, th- I think the actual orchestration engine is is great. I, I don't know if we're going to need anything more. Um, who's ever going to need more than 640K of RAM? It might be one of those <laughs> statements, right? But um, but the, the orchestration engine itself is 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 great. That, and that's that's one of the things I love about the new engine is that it's just an orchestration engine. It it doesn't know about Visual Studio or MS Build or shell scripts or whatever. That's all the realm of the tasks, right? So the, the engine itself is just I have to do this task. I have to do that task. And so it's just shelling out to the tasks. And so it doesn't have any domain knowledge in it, which which is much better than the XAML build where the XAML build was tightly coupled to what you were trying to do. So um, I think this engine is 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 here to stay. It's it's a it's a very flexible engine. So I think it's a long term long term engine. It, it's I think it's going to stand the test of time. Cool. Well, we're running close to the, to the end of the show, but we have to talk about um, your recent posts and, and tell me in you know the five minutes that we have left. Uh, Kubernetes, Kubernetes, Kubernetes. Again? Yeah, Kubernetes. 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 Okay, I, I'm being transparent in my ignorance to the whole Radio TFS world. What is that? So Kubernetes, the the name comes from the Greek for helmsman. That's that's where that's what Kubernetes means in Greek. Okay. Um, so this was this is a a container orchestration system that comes out of Google. Uh, and you know, containers are fantastic if you're just developing a single container. You can spin it up in your in your local Docker you know, on your laptop and. And you can you can have a little build script that goes and builds it and does your container and you can spin it up and you can push it out and then someone else can run up and run that same container. So for a single container, containers are a great development experience. But the problem comes in, well, now I've got my container or containers. Now I want to run a whole bunch of them in production and I want to monitor them and I want to make sure they're running and I want to make sure they spin up when when they fall over so that I don't have to manually do that sort of thing. So the the next stage beyond just doing a developing a container would be orchestrating a bunch of containers right um so that's where there's really kind of three big players in that in that space at the moment there's docker swarm there's uh, mesosphere apache mesosphere dcos data center operating system and then there's Kubernetes. So these are the three kind of popular ones at the moment i actually saw a a, a tweet out yesterday that github is now hosted on a Kubernetes cluster. So if you you open up GitHub and you look at the UI when you when you hit github.com and you open up some repo there the the web server that's serving those pages to you is actually now inside a Kubernetes cluster. So I I think um it's going to be interesting to see uh which of these orchestrators wins. You remember when it was sort of Git and Mercurial uh, or Git, GitHub and Bitbucket and Mercurial and and GitHub and Git have have really won the race in the distributed source control space. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what who wins who wins the race in the in the orchestrator wars. So Kubernetes is something I I got to POC for a customer, which was great because I got to play around with it, and uh, it's it's really really I really like the the idea the ideas behind it. The it you configure you configure your services using either JSON or YAML. Um, and you have these configuration files. Our configuration is code, so you can run them as many times as you want to. They are idempotent. So if you run a file and it creates a service and then you run that same file again, it just updates it or does nothing. So it's great from a deployment point of view because it, it's, uh, it's, it, that idempotency makes repeatability very easy to do. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know a ton about it. I know enough to get, to get a couple of containers running and, and, Put them into a CI/CD pipeline, which is what my blog posts were about. But there's a ton of stuff for for around Kubernetes that I didn't touch in there, like high availability, load balancing, and and spinning and spinning up more resources on demand, scaling up, scaling down. So, uh, but it's it's a really great system. I love I love the the YAML format and the the uh, their their idea of namespaces for separating out uh, ring fencing pieces of functionality within the cluster right so and I, I do that in my post where i have a dev namespace and a prod namespace to separate those those two areas out and and let you have a, a ci cd pipeline within a single cluster so yeah so that's that's kubernetes really really great container orchestration tool cool so josh any last uh questions for colin before we go not so much questions but one thing that i uh I wanted to go back to since we're talking about YAML, um, is with that with that new stuff that Ed Thompson was was kind of showing off. The interesting thing that I saw there was that you could run that YAML file against a VSTS agent installed on your dev machine, which gives you kind of that transparency between building locally and building um, on an agent that's connected to VSTS, right? Um, so I wanted to kind of geek out a little bit about that. Um, I don't know if anyone else has any opinion on that or not, but I, I kind of run into situations sometimes where people will challenge me on, you know, this this pipeline isn't the same all the way through because, you know, we build one way on our machines and then, you know, when we check the code in, it builds on an agent. Um, so I wanted to kind of bring that up and see if you guys had any opinions on that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great, that's a great, um, feature uh you know especially when you're when you're building a complicated pipeline uh being able to just test it locally and figure out what it's doing locally before actually having to run it through the build engine and wait for an agent and uh so i think i think that's great it's you know th there's going to be some parts of it which are difficult to do like you know when you get to deploy to azure and you're on a plane is is it going to, because it's the same engine, whether it's build or release. Um, so maybe you're not going to do so much deployment during your build. So uh, it'll, I don't think it's going to be a completely full um, fidelity build, but I think it will make authoring tasks and, and testing out and authoring builds, complicated builds a lot easier. Nice. So if we wanted to get a hold of you, Colin, what, what are the best ways to do that? I think the best way is, is probably my Twitter handle. And um, so all, all things tech will come, I, I I monitor my Twitter uh, Twitter feed for that, um, and other than that, CollinsALMCorner.com, my blog. Uh, there's there's uh, I've got contact details on the blog, and you can comment about posts. So I think those are probably the two easiest ways to to get hold of me. Cool. Well, we've got some feedback. 
uh, actually from three different people. Uh, again, the sticker thing worked out really well. If you guys are interested, listeners out there, if you're interested in some DevOps stickers or Radio TFS stickers, send me a tweet. All right. I'll, I'll mail them out to you. Put a little handwritten note that you won't be able to read it all in it. Uh, anywhere in the world so far, I've been able to send mail to uh, the Netherlands, Sweden, UK, down the street, Los Angeles. Uh, that was the hardest one, I think. Uh, you want the stickers? Send me, a, give me a tweet at gduncan411. Speaking of the feedback, we had Rod, Rod Falenga. I want to thank you for your uh, emails. He's been, I've, we've been helping him. He, we've been communicating a lot recently and he had some training issues. You know, it's so like, how, how do I grok these things? He doesn't have money for training. So what are the, some of the, the free resources that are available? So I sent him off to, uh, suggested some things. Cause he was looking for TFS training, but he wanted DevOps training. You know, you have to be kind of, if you search for TFS training, you're going to get that accidental administrative kind of training. And that's not what he needed. He wanted to know how do developers working with Visual Studio work with TFS. So I, I directed him some MVA courses and we'll have those links in the show notes. Michael Seidel, again, we mentioned you with the wiki stuff. Thank you for listening. Previous shows, we talked about that team services Slack. And we mentioned a website and self-sign up. Slack previously was hard to do because it was invite only. Well, uh, Michael's got a new website up where you can self-service and join the Team Services Slack community. That's HTTPS slash slash Team Services Club, you know, Team Services dot club. I'll have that link in the show notes. Um, they're up to a hundred members now. So if you're into Team Services, you should check out this Slack. And lastly, Robert Martin. Again, thank you for listening. He's the one that we started this show about and getting Colin on to talk about the XAML builds because he was having problems doing, he wanted to do C Sharp 7 in builds, but he was stuck on, you know, and we had to go back and forth a little bit and figure out, oh, he's stuck on XAML builds. And, you know, then, then we devolved into, okay, well, you know, XAML builds are dead. You, you, you need to kind of move off of that. And so, uh, again, Robin, I want to thank you for listening. And if you guys want to reach out and talk to us, send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com, on Twitter, at radiotfs. Also, um, our Twitter handle, uh, Gordon's Twitter handle, uh, will be on the show notes. You can reach us at uh, Facebook on slash radiotfs, voicemail. You know, you guys aren't using the voicemail. I guess I actually I should call it and make sure it works before I start giving you all the hard time about this. But I'm sure it works. Yeah, because it's technology, and technology always works. It's 1-425-233-8379. Say for work, we'll play it on the air, and you can be like a guest host on the show. So, Colin, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me and doing it twice. <laughs> but we did it so much better this time. Oh, yeah, wait. I, that, I think that's... so. I think so. <laughs> it, was a pity, it was a pity Gordon couldn't, couldn't come on, but we got Josh Money. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm second right. best at school. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else, thank you all for listening to Radio TFS. 